Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hello, my name is Linnea Patel and I am a dietitian, registered dietitian and a sports nutritionist. I've been the resident dietitian for FitPro for a number of years and I'm really excited to share a podcast with you on iron. Now iron is an interesting mineral because whilst recommendations say that we should be able to get all the iron we need from a healthy balanced diet, iron deficiency is actually very surprisingly common in the UK. Recent surveys show that actually the majority of women in the UK don't reach their dietary target intake of iron and actually as a result iron deficiency is particularly prevalent in certain population groups such as infants under the age of two, teenagers, pregnant women and the elderly. More and more in my own clinical practice I'm seeing even people in between the age of 18 and 60 being iron deficient and particularly people who are more active and taking running up as a sport. So in today's podcast, we're going to look at the role of iron in the body. We're going to look at iron in the diet, the different forms that we get iron. We're also going to look at the requirements of iron and which particular population groups need more iron. And then wrap it all up and say, if you do have an iron deficiency, you are at risk of getting an iron deficiency. What can you do? And what does that look like in terms of supplementation and food? So to begin with, let's look at the role of iron in the body. Iron has a number of different roles in the body. I'm going to highlight two main ones. The first is that iron is particularly important for making hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is a protein that's contained in red blood cells. And what it does is it transports oxygen around our body. The second role of iron that's really important is that it's an, it's an essential mineral that maintains a healthy immune system. So actually, if you're iron deficient, you're much more likely to get coughs and colds and viruses that are going around. Now we're going to look at iron in the diet. The first thing to note with iron in the diet is that there's two main forms of iron. So the iron that's found in animal-based sources such as beef, lamb and pork and to a lesser extent fish and poultry is referred to as heme iron. And then the other iron, the second iron, which is found in plant sources is referred to as non-heme iron. Plant-based sources of iron include your pulses and legumes, for example, beans, peas and lentils. And also it's found in dark green leafy vegetables such as spinach, cabbage or broccoli, but can also be found in things like tofu, nuts and seeds. What we do know is the heme iron, which is found in animal-based sources, is the most efficiently absorbed form of iron. So we don't know the exact absorption rate, but it's estimated that actually your heme iron is absorbed around 15 to 35%, whereas your non-heme iron can be absorbed from about 3 to about 15%. So despite the fact that actually your heme iron, which is found in animal sources, is better absorbed, because we need to be eating more and more plant-based foods, we need to look at how we can maximize the uh, absorption of iron that we find in non-heme sources of food. So this brings us very nicely onto the fact that there are certain promoters and inhibitors of iron absorption. 
So, for example, a promoter of iron from non-heme iron would be something that's acidic, particularly foods that are rich in vitamin C, citric acid or lactic acid. So, very practically, if you consumed your non-heme iron, your plant-based foods with acidic foods, you increase the absorption of the iron that is found in those foods. So, for example, if you're making a pot of lentil soup, if you throw in some tomatoes in there, then the vitamin C from the tomatoes helps your body absorb the non-heme iron from the lentils much better than if you didn't put the tomatoes in there. Or if you have a lovely green salad with some rocket and spinach in it, and you made a homemade uh, vinaigrette with orange juice or lime juice or lemon juice and some olive oil, then that would enhance the absorption of the non-heme iron from the greens in that salad. So you definitely want to be adding some sort of acidic vitamin C or lactic acid or citric acid type of food with your plant-based uh, food to increase the absorption. There are a number of foods that decrease the absorption of iron, and these we're going to look at in a little bit more detail. And the first one is something called phytates. Now, phytates is just a fancy way of saying a type of fiber that's found in foods such as your whole grains, soya, nuts, and legumes. And the phytates in the foods actually decrease the absorption of iron from a meal. Now, whilst you can't really be throwing lemon and orange juice in oatmeal, it's important that we continue to eat these whole grain foods because they're very good sources of other nutrients like fiber and good carbohydrates. But also just be aware that some that if you were to have a porridge and you added some nuts and seeds to it, then by soaking the nuts or sprouting the nuts and seeds, then you decrease the amount of oxalates, which is another compound that actually is found to inhibit iron absorption. So what you're doing is you're making that meal overall higher in iron just by changing the way that you prepare it. Or for example, if you had a bowl of porridge and then afterwards you consumed it with your vitamins, with, with an, with, you had an, ap, um, an apple or some berries in your porridge or you had an orange afterwards, then overall the absorption of iron from that meal would be higher. Another interesting inhibitor is something called tannins and polyphenols. Now, tannins and polyphenols are uh, biological compounds that are present in tea and coffee, and they inhibit the absorption of iron. So this means that actually having a cup of tea with a meal that you think is iron-rich is not necessarily a good idea. Very similarly, we all love the idea of having a steak with a good glass of red wine, but actually in your red wine, you find some tannins. So if you are iron deficient, then perhaps you shouldn't be drinking red wine with your steak at the same time. You maybe may look at having the red wine afterwards or, or before, but you're not necessarily wanting to have it together. Very similarly is if you're having a cup of tea with every meal, that's not necessarily a good idea because it's decreasing the absorption of iron from that meal. So it's very important that when you're looking at your plant-based sources of iron, you're looking all the time to promote the absorption of iron from that meal by adding foods that are rich in vitamin C. And you're looking to decrease the inhibitors or minimize the inhibitors by maybe cutting out tea with a meal or looking at the timing of when you're having something like wine or even just looking to soak your nuts and seeds so that they get a fewer amount of oxalates in them, which actually decreases the iron absorption. So with in terms of iron requirements, 
what are the iron requirements and which particular population groups are actually at risk of iron deficiency. So the recommended daily allowance of iron in the UK is 8.7 milligrams a day for an adult man and it's almost double that, 14.8 milligrams for an adult woman. Now, this should be able to be met with a healthy, balanced diet. However, there are certain population groups that are at risk. So, for example, you have an increased iron requirement when you are growing. So, periods such as childhood or adolescence, there's a huge increase in the need for iron. Very similarly to with pregnancy, you have more blood volume, so you're going to have a higher iron intake. So, it's really important that in those periods of growth that you're making sure that you're consuming sufficient iron-rich foods or your doctor might recommend an iron supplement. Also, blood loss, if you're losing a lot of blood, which is common in women of childbearing age because of the menstruation cycle, or there might be other blood uh, reasons for blood loss, such as having bleeding from a peptic ulcer or having hemorrhoids or even just donating blood. If you're a regular blood donor, you need to make sure you're on top of your iron requirements. Also, some people find that they have a diminished iron absorption. Now, interestingly, this happens when you have reduced gastric acid secretion in your stomach. Now, that can happen naturally as part of the aging process, which is why the elderly are very often found to be deficient in iron because they just don't produce as much stomach acid, which helps in terms of the absorption of iron. Or if you have very chronic diarrhea, then you, uh, for a long period of time, you have a higher, you have diminished iron absorption. Or if you're using antiacids over a long period of time, you also have diminished iron absorption, which means you're at risk of deficiency. Obviously, not consuming enough iron is going to increase your risk. So children who are consuming very high, you know, who are consuming diets that are high in milk and cereals, which can sometimes be low in iron. So this is why a lot of the children's cereals now are actually fortified with iron to increase the uptake. And also, lastly, interestingly, in my clinical practice as a sports dietitian, I see a lot of runners who are deficient in iron as well. And the reason for that is every time they go out for a run, and particularly now with running in a city where we're not necessarily running on a nice soft track, is every time your foot hits a pavement, you're actually breaking down red blood cells. So if you're training for a marathon and you are running a lot, then you need to make sure that you're keeping on top of your iron intake because it's very, very easy to become iron deficient if you're a marathon runner as well. So when people get iron deficiency, what do they start experiencing? People with iron deficiency will often feel much more tired, they'll lack energy, and they'll tend to be susceptible to a lot of infections. If you get a much more severe iron deficiency, then you might experience things like heart palpitations or get very brittle nails, thinning of your hair, um, mouth ulcers also can develop as well. But in general, the first symptoms tend to be feeling very, very tired and lacking energy and just picking up a lot of the colds that are going around. Then as as you become more deficient, then your symptoms would increase. So if you are deficient, then what your GP might recommend is that you take some sort of supplement to boost your iron, your blood iron levels and your iron stores, which is called ferritin. However, the thing is with iron supplements is that they come with a whole load of side effects. So people who are recommended supplements don't tend to comply very well because sometimes it can cause them to feel constipated or have diarrhea or feel nauseous or want to vomit. So it's important 
to make sure that you're consuming in more iron from your diet and you're maximizing that. And at the same time that you talk to either a health professional like your GP, your dietitian, or a registered nutritionist about a source of iron that is in a very absorbable form that is going to be easier on your stomach to absorb rather than going with something that's just necessarily a high dose. There is a risk of having too much iron as well. However, this is much less common than having deficiency. It's called um, hemochromatosis, which is a specific genetic disorder in which iron builds up over a period of time. But it tends to be very genetically driven as well. And your GP can diagnose this with some blood tests. Okay, so just to wrap up on iron, what are the take-home messages? The take-home messages are that whilst we should be able to meet our iron requirements with our diet, you need to think about whether you have increased iron needs or not and how you're going to actually achieve your recommended intake. A good way of, of achieving your recommended intake is by keeping your diet as varied as possible. So if you do eat animal products, then absolutely include red meat, lean red meat in your diet. So the World Health recommendations are that you can have 750 grams of raw red meat in your diet. So that's red meat a couple of times, two or three times a week. If you are having plant only plant-based sources of iron, then you need to make sure that you are consuming foods that increase the absorption and limiting the foods that decrease absorption of iron. And if you think that you might be iron deficient because you're experiencing some of the symptoms, such as feeling fatigued, then it's really important that you talk to a registered dietitian or your GP because they can look at what your intakes are. They can do some blood tests and recommend the right type of supplements for you to take. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.